Hi, I'm Kelsa Dickey, the CEO of the Financial Coach Academy and my financial coaching business, Fiscal Fitness Phoenix. My coaching journey began more than a decade ago with me helping people for free from my dining room table. What was once a little business of mine has grown into a seven-figure company that employs a team of people. My goal is simple, to help you fall more and more in love with financial coaching. I believe financial coaching is the most rewarding way to make a living. If you are an aspiring financial coach or have been coaching for years, I'm here to help you create a business you love that gets your clients massive results. Let's get to it. Hey, financial coach. Welcome back. Episode two. I am so excited to be here. Today, we're going to be talking about is financial coaching a viable business? Is there really a need for financial coaches? Is it really something you can make a living doing? And let's be honest, the question a lot of people want to know is, will people really pay for financial coaching? That's what we're going to be tackling in today's episode. I'm going to kick things off. I've got some stats for you. Are you ready? Here they are. 72% of Americans reported feeling financial stress in the prior month. 65% of adults say money is a significant source of stress for them. 42% of people admit they're struggling financially. 46% of women said money has a negative effect on their mental health, and it's 38% of men. 80% of people have no plan in place with their money. They have no budget. This does not include people who aren't feeling stressed or aren't struggling necessarily, but have goals, and they simply don't know how to put their money behind the things that are important to them right? Financial coaches don't just help with those who are struggling. And that's one point that I really want to make sure is clear. I think this is a big, massive misconception around the space of financial coaching. We don't just help people who are on the verge of a crisis. I think it's common to think that like we help people who are about to file bankruptcy or are missing payments on their mortgage or are in some sort of crisis situation. And there are a lot of resources out there to help them. And we invite those types of folks who are really struggling to call because we can absolutely give them the next steps in their journey to begin to solve those types of challenges. But we also, as financial coaches, help people who simply want more out of their money. Their struggle isn't necessarily a crisis, but it just feels like what they're doing with their money isn't in alignment with what they want for their future. And they want to be doing more with it. That's a lot of people too, right? Money is the number one cause of uh, stress in our country. It's the number one cause of divorce in our country. And actually, as of this year, Work stress is the number one cause of stress in our country. This is the first year where it's actually flipped away from money. So up until this year, it used to be that money was the number one cause of stress in our country. And now in 2022, work stress is the number one cause of stress in the United States. So I want you to think about, based on those statistics, how many people are struggling with money? How many people feel stressed? How many people have no plan? How many people wish they were doing better? We have so many hundreds of millions of people in the United States, and those percentages are really high, which means we have hundreds of millions of people who need help doing better with their money, right? And now I want you to think about how many financial advisors are in the world. 
how many massage therapists are in the world, how many realtors there are, right? And you think about, we have this massive need around finances. There is a massive gap in how people are feeling financially. And we have very few financial coaches in the grand scheme of things. I believe that we will not see a saturation of financial coaches during my lifetime. I don't think that's possible. I would love to see more and more financial coaches because I see the need being massive. And especially if you can really focus on the fact that it's not just people who are struggling who could really benefit from a financial coach. There are people who simply do better when they have someone to talk through a decision with, right? And a financial coach can absolutely serve as that person. If a person is touching money on a regular basis, if they have goals that they are trying to achieve in life, if they want life to simply be easier, then using money as a tool to help them would make their life so much better in all of those ways. And that's essentially what a financial coach does, if you remember from episode one, right? So the need for financial coaches is massive, and yet the number of people who call themselves financial coaches who are in a position to actually solve these problems with folks right alongside them is minor. It's very few. So we need way more financial coaches in order to help people. And the more financial coaches that come about and you know start their professions and start their businesses and that sort of thing, the easier this idea of a financial coach becomes for people to sort of adopt, right? Financial coaching is a fairly new profession. Uh, just like life coaching is and you know coaching in general has been picking up steam over the years. I know when I first started my business back in 2008 and I started calling myself a financial coach, I really didn't know any other financial coaches. I think there was like three of us, right? And we all knew each other. Uh, and now there are probably a few hundred, I would say, but there's still not nearly as many as what we need. Um, there's way more part-time financial coaches right now than there are full-time financial coaches. And so the need for financial coaches is really important. Everyone should know how to manage their money better just because it's easy for some people doesn't mean that it's easy for everyone. There tends to be a lot of shame around money. Money struggles, I believe, are such a pervasive problem in our world that most people don't even realize it, right? Like, I think if you aren't struggling, if you're not in crisis, you're considered to be doing good financially. And I think that's a shame. I think the bar should be raised so much higher than that, that the standard should be, you know, the goal is that you are using money as a tool to live your best life. To me, that is what everybody should be shooting for. And Unless we are reaching that, then everybody else who's not doing that could really benefit from a financial coach, and they need people like us out there helping them. There are 203,791 financial advisors in the United States. I Googled that number this morning so I could make sure I had the most up-to-date figure. And financial advisors are really important. We're actually going to be talking about that in the next episode, the difference between financial advising and financial coaching. Both are very needed. But they're not technically in a position to help people with the part of money that most people are struggling with, the budgeting, having a plan in place, putting good actions and behaviors and habits in place 
every day or every week. Really the nuts and bolts parts of money, the nitty gritty, the like getting your hands in there and really figuring out how to make things work and also how to align a person's mindset and emotions and behaviors around what it is that they want to be doing with their money. Financial coaches are needed and there's not enough of us at all. There's a lot of shame, like I was saying, around money and we need more financial coaches perpetuating a more positive message around money. Things like all debt is bad all of the time. And if you're bad with money, that's a character flaw. These are the things that are being pushed out there. And so what happens is when people hear these things, they feel badly and they feel ashamed and they're not sure what to do. And it really makes it so that people don't want to ask for help or they feel so stuck and they feel alone and they're embarrassed and that kind of thing. Money management is a skill. It's something you can learn how to get good at. And some people are born naturally good at some skills and some people aren't. I think about somebody who's really crafty or can do arts and crafts. This is my sister. I'll tell you what. She can do create anything, give her some art supplies, and she can create beautiful works of art with it. That gene absolutely skipped me. It all went to my sister. I am not crafty and I am not artistic at all. I like to say that I'm actually financially creative because I can be quite creative, but with numbers, right? So you think about a sport or you think about someone cooking or baking. These are all things. Some people are just born naturally being really good at certain things. And because they enjoy it, they get better and better over time. But all of these things, if you wanted to be better at cooking, you could learn how to cook. If you wanted to learn how to paint, you could get better at painting. And the same is true for money. Wherever a person is right now with how they manage their money, it's not a fixed state. It's not finite. They can learn new you know, tricks of the trade. They can get better at it. They can learn to trust themselves. They can learn to... Um, learn a skill around managing their money that they feel really good about. And that's what we should all be encouraging. We all help people who are struggling financially. And what I wanted to do is really touch on the definition of struggle really quickly. I think struggling with money means not using money as a tool to create your best life. So like I was saying earlier, if somebody is not using money as a tool to create their best life, then technically they could benefit from financial coaching because they're struggling financially. That should be the bar that we're setting. Another good way of thinking about financial struggle as a financial coach is someone who's not making decisions with the long-term impact in mind, and more so they're making it with like the short-term gain is most important. And if you think about, um, you know, if you're making a decision and you're like, well, I want to do this and I'm either kicking a can down the road a little bit, but I don't care because I have a bill due on Friday and so I know I need to pay it, or I'm going to book this vacation because I need it right now. I'm so stressed out. I'm, you know, overwhelmed and work is stressful and all of that. And so I'm going to do this now but I know it's going to cause me problems later. There's so many examples of times when a person for a short-term gain, typically around money, they are looking to make that decision so it's the cheapest or the best or save the money right now, as opposed to the value that that decision could add to their life in the long term. And that is because of where they are financially oftentimes or some of the patterns around decision making that they've found themselves in when it comes to money, right? And so those are the types of things we really want to pay attention to as financial coaches. And if you think about it from that perspective, 
it applies. Financial coaching could work for almost anybody, right? Really the situation that they're in. I even think financial coaches could benefit from financial coaches. There are a lot of times where the goal we have feels bigger than any goal we've set for our life. And right now, that is absolutely true. We are in the process of building a lake house in Michigan. It feels like a dream come true for us, something that we've talked about for a long time. And we finally feel like we're able to do it. And even with that, the amount of planning and consideration and details and thinking and what a decision like that does to your own mindset, right? And like your own, you know, it can trigger some fear and like, who am I to like have this lakefront home where we're going to live half the year? And like those types of mindset things can come up for all of us at different times. I always say it's not a matter of whether or not you have money blocks, because we all have them. It's a matter of which ones you have, right? And even financial coaches have them. It has been incredibly helpful for me as a financial coach to be able to go to my lead coach, Jill, and say, hey, can you sit down and look at these numbers with me? Can you help me talk through some of these things? Can we think through some of these things together? I want to make sure I'm not missing anything. I want to make sure there's nothing that I'm saying that like she can reflect back to me as sort of maybe not being the case or something that I'm just telling myself, it can be really important for people in general to simply talk through their money with somebody else, even if it doesn't feel like there's a pain point there or a struggle. The next question I want to tackle is, will people pay for financial coaching? Absolutely. I'm here to tell you they will because I've been doing it since 2008. And so it does work. Now, I don't want you to listen to your uncle, who you're probably going to see at like a family meal or something like that, who says people just need to spend less than they make. People don't need to pay someone else to tell them to do that, right? Here's why it's not that simple. Like I said, we all have things we're naturally good at. And I'm really glad. I shouldn't throw shade at your uncle. I'm sure he's awesome. He's probably a really cool guy. And money management is easy for him. That's really great. This idea of spending less than you make is naturally easy for some people, but it's not easy for everybody. And I think about a person's journey. We're going to be talking about this in future episodes, and I'm really excited about it, a typical client journey. And oftentimes what happens is a person has to first experience some sort of trigger or aha moment. And it's this idea of this epiphany of like, I want my money to be better. I want to do this differently. I want it to be easier. That's typically the first step for everybody in their financial journey. Maybe you could think about when yours was. Now, some people, it's like a very specific thing that happens. It was, they overdrew their checking account and they're like, I just overdrew that for the very last time. Other times it's a more subtle thing. It's like, it's been building for a while. Nothing specific or dramatic really happens. It's just this feeling of like, I'm done doing it this way. I'm done feeling this way about my money. And that's sort of the trigger. It's just this moment of like, I'm done being tired about this, right? I know Jill Emanuel, my lead coach. Many of you may know her. Um, she talks about what her aha moment was. She was sitting in her car and her husband texted her and said he needed to go get gas. And so he was going to use the debit card. And she looked at their bank account. And I want to say she had like $12 in there. It might have been 16 I can't remember. And she texted her husband back and said, just don't get more than $12 or whatever the amount was. And she just started crying because she was like, I cannot believe we're both hardworking people, we're caring people, good people. Why is this so hard? Why did I just have to tell my husband 
that he can't put more than a certain dollar amount of gas in his vehicle for the car that he drives to and from work every day and takes the kids places and all of that. And so she just started crying and she called her friend. And luckily her friend was a client of mine at the time. And her friend said, I know the person who can help you. And the rest is history because Jill was a client of mine for years first. And she experienced such an amazing transformation with her own money that she then became a financial coach herself and is now the lead coach on my team. And she mentors all of our financial coaches. And she's such an amazing financial coach. But her first moment was in the car, right? Everybody has sort of that aha moment. Now, the next thing that a person has to do is they have to know what to do. Like, what is the next step? So, okay, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Where do I go next? And for some people, that's a really easy decision to make or they know what to do. They either will go to their bank account. Maybe they open up a spreadsheet. Maybe they pull up their debit card or they look at their credit card accounts and like that kind of thing. Either way, sometimes a person goes to an app, right? Either way, a person has to know what to do. They also have to feel confident doing it. They, a lot of times at this stage, a person is afraid of what they might see. And so that fear can really stop them from even taking action, even if they know what that action step should be, right? So there's a lot of different things that a person needs to feel confident in that moment. They have to know what to do first. Then they have to feel confident doing it. They can't have any fear involved in taking that step. And then once they do that step, let's say they go and look at three months of bank activity or bank statements. When they look at it, they still have to know how to interpret what they're seeing. How do they analyze it? Does it paint a clear picture for them? Chances are for financial coaches, I know this is true for me, I can typically look at a person's finances and a picture starts to form in my head. It's almost like a movie starts to play and like everything this person is doing, the way they're managing their money, the decisions they're making starts to form in my head. It just becomes very obvious to me. It's like I can interpret the numbers in that way, okay? But not everybody has that ability, right? And our job as coaches is to help interpret those things for people. It's to help them know what the steps are to take, to encourage them to take those steps, to support them, to let them know, hey, when you go to do this, here's what you might see happen. Here's how you might feel. Here's what might come up for you. And to really coach them through those moments and to help paint that very clear picture for them so that they can see their money clearly too. And that happens very easily for some people, but not everybody. And it's okay if it doesn't happen easily for everybody. This is a skill that we can teach them, but those people absolutely need a financial coach. So when you have the naysayers, when you have the people who say, you don't need to pay somebody to learn how to manage your money, then it's that person probably doesn't see the value in doing so because they can do that step on their own. And that's a great thing. That's beautiful. That is a strength of theirs, but not everybody has that skill and not everybody has that strength. I also think it's important to just sort of acknowledge like what we do is a little ironic, right? Like we help people with money with their money. We help people who are sometimes struggling with money, right? Like they feel like they're struggling and we charge for it. Yes, I get that that's a little awkward and a little weird and it doesn't devalue what we do, right? There's a lot of professions, a lot of industries, a lot of people who 
offer something that they're selling to a person and they have no idea whether or not a person can actually afford the thing that they're wanting to buy. They have no idea. Like, and they don't have to know. Just because we sometimes know doesn't mean that we shouldn't charge for what we're offering in the value that we're delivering. There are also free services out there, and that is wonderful. There should be. There are times when we will direct people to some of the free options out there, whether it's free financial coaching through some of the uh, charities that exist, um, whether it's a book or a website or something like that. There are times where that is absolutely what is best for a person. Unfortunately, studies show that free resources oftentimes are not followed through with. The uh, you know, completion rate for online courses when the, like the lower the price of the course, the less the completion rate is and those types of things. And so the idea is that sometimes free is actually not best. And this is one of those things we'll talk about this in future episodes when it comes to like, how do you invite a person to work with you? This idea of like selling your services to a person. Like, how do you do that? We'll talk about that in future episodes. But the idea is that for some people, Paying for change means that they are going to show up differently for themselves. It's a way of committing themselves to the process because the process is not always easy. It's not always effortless. There are growing pains oftentimes. I joke all the time with my trainer, my fitness coach, that you know, I pay him to torture me is actually what I do, right? I pay him for me to show up. It's like I volunteer to do this. I sign up and I pay him and then he kicks my butt, right? But it holds me accountable and it is absolutely what I need. If he charged me very little, then I know I would probably be like, oh, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm going to skip today, right? And so for some people, maybe not everybody, maybe not your uncle, right? Some people can feel inspired to make changes all on their own, but not everybody. And financial coaches absolutely have a space for those who are looking to receive coaching and help and guidance and support and are willing to pay for it. The other thing about financial coaching is that it's very nuanced. So we're going to talk about this when we talk about the difference between financial literacy and financial coaching. Financial literacy more might be more factual, information-based, right or wrong, or different ways of doing things, right? Coaching is very nuanced, and some people want that level of attention. They want to know, I don't want to read a book that says, here's how everybody should do it, because chances are, when it comes to money, there is not just one right way that will work for everybody. I don't believe that that exists, and I actually struggle sometimes when I read something from like a financial guru that says, this way will work for everybody. Oftentimes what happens, the people who are looking for a financial coach is the person who has tried that way. They tried multiple ways. And when that way didn't work for them, they internalize that because they're like, oh, well, this way is supposed to work for everybody, but it didn't work for me. See, I knew I wasn't good with money. I knew I couldn't do this. And we actually want them to or those people actually want somebody to say, create this custom plan for me. Help me figure out what way is going to work best for me because these other ways aren't best for me. I've tried them and they don't work. Our job as financial coaches is to pick a little bit from all of these people who have great ideas because they're great strategies, great suggestions, that sort of thing, but then coach the person right in front of us and say, I'm going to take this suggestion from right here. I'm going to take this strategy from over here. I'm going to come up with my own strategy and we're going to put together this plan that works beautifully for this person right in front of me because no two people have the same set of goals. 
uh, the same set of needs, the same desires, the amount of time that they want to spend managing their money, the level of detail that they want to sort of have inside of their plan. Some people thrive with a lot of specificity. They, they like a lot of detail. They want to know like down to the penny how what things look like. And other people might feel overwhelmed by that. They might actually, the more detail that they're seeing, the more overwhelming their decision-making becomes, and they actually can't sort through all of that detail. And so our job as coaches is to really help them apply these concepts in the way that is going to work best for them. And not like in a white knuckle it sort of way, not in like, well, this is the way and it should work for everybody. So even if you don't love it, like just try to make it work, try to make it work for you kind of thing, like suck it up cupcake sort of thing, right? What we want to do as coaches, what I consider my job to be is to find a way for that person to manage their money live their best life using money as a tool to create that best life and to do it in a way that feels amazing for them, that feels good, it feels right, it's the amount of time they want to spend, no more, it's the amount of effort they want to put in, no more, and they can see the benefit that they're gaining from it. So all of that value on the other side, we want the gains that a person experiences with their money to outweigh the costs of managing their money well, right? So if I have to spend an hour every day, but I get very little benefit from it, then it feels like the cost to me outweighs the gain, right? But if I can put in, we're always trying to optimize these two things. How can we get the most out of it with the least amount of effort? And it's that amount of effort is going to be different for every single person, okay? So oftentimes people are willing to pay to solve a problem they're experiencing. That's one way to think about this. And financial coaching helps people solve problems. People will also pay to increase their likelihood of success towards reaching a particular goal. And if they know that by, you know, hiring this coach, my likelihood of success towards this goal I have for myself is greater, then that is oftentimes worth it for people, okay? Our job as coaches is to articulate that value that that's what we're doing. We're either solving a problem or we're speeding up their process or improving their likelihood of success. That is what we are selling. We are not selling an hour of our time. Nobody wants an hour of anyone's time, right? We are delivering value and we're helping them to solve a problem or reach a desired outcome. There is this uh, really crappy video on YouTube. I won't even give you the name of it because I don't want to give it any attention. I don't want to give it any credit. But this guy talks about people as if they are never willing to pay for financial coaches because they just don't see the value of it. He is now a business coach uh, for financial coaches, which I find fascinating because the idea is like, if you can't articulate the value of what you do, of course, no one's going to buy it. It does not matter if you charge $5. If what you are telling me you can do for me is not something I want, or I don't see the benefit of it, or I don't see how it's good for me, even $5 is too much money, right? Like, why would I want to spend $5 on something that doesn't provide any value to my life? But if you were to tell me and really make clear to me the value that this is going to provide, the differences it's going to make in my life, how I'm going to feel, and also the tangible benefits, whether that's more money in savings, increased net worth, um, I'm trying to think of what else, just having a plan in place, feeling better, right? Like all of these less debt, of course, right? 
there's tangible and intangible benefits. And if I can make that really clear to a client, then the likelihood that they are willing to pay for that is greater, right? It's just oftentimes what we're offering can be intangible benefits, which can be really hard to articulate as financial coaches when we can be a little analytical sometimes, right? And so the idea, we'll, we'll tackle this in a future episode where we really help you to know how to articulate the value of that. Um, it's not necessarily the financial part that is what people pay for. And this is a big misconception. Like you can Google anything around money and financial concepts and definitions and that sort of thing. But financial coaching is not just knowledge. It's the application of that knowledge. And what people pay for is not something that they can Google, right? What they are paying for is somebody who can support them and encourage them to take action on what it is that they learn. And there is absolutely benefit in that for a lot of people who struggle to take action when it comes to their money. Because financial coaching is still somewhat of a new profession, there is going to be a need as a financial coach to sort of educate our people in order to create a greater demand because not everybody even knows that financial coaches exist. One of the things we will hear sometimes is like, oh, so are you like a financial advisor, right? And we're going to tackle this in the next episode, the difference between financial coaching and financial advising. But the idea is that we as coaches need to be educating our audience, our people, our followers, our friends, our family on what we actually do for people. There is a great need. I shared those statistics with you at the beginning of the episode. The need is massive. It doesn't mean that there's a large demand for financial coaches, however. There's two different things at play here. There's a large need, but if people don't know what financial coaches do and how we can help, then the demand for what we do isn't as high as what the need is. So the more that we, the more of us that exist, the more of us that are out there talking about what we do, how we make decisions, why money as a tool to live your best life is so important, how it helps you achieve any goal you have in life, all of these types of things, then the demand for financial coaches will increase. Just like, I mean, think about how many personal trainers exist in the world, right? There should be more financial coaches than there are personal trainers. And until we reach that point, we do not have saturation of the financial coaching world. So is there a need? Yes. We desperately need more financial coaches in our world. We need more people to roll up our sleeves and really look at the nuts and bolts of how a person thinks, how they manage their money, how they feel about their money, and we need that pronto. We will likely not have enough financial coaches in my lifetime, and yet that is not going to stop me from trying to create as many financial coaches in our world as possible. So like I said at the end of the very first episode, I like to end with a reflection question. I'm going to give you something to ponder, some things to simply consider for yourself. You can reflect on these questions. You can talk about them with other coaches, family members, or friends. You can journal out the answers if you want. This is the coaching element of financial coaching, right? The purpose is to deepen your awareness or help you gain clarity on whatever the episode topic is about. And I would love for you to share your 
thoughts with me after you've reflected on this question. If you're watching this on YouTube, feel free to leave us a comment right here on YouTube. If you are listening to the podcast, take a screenshot in whatever podcast player you're listening to, upload it to Instagram and share your thoughts with us and make sure you tag us at Financial Coach Academy. And I cannot wait to hear what you guys think. So here's the question. Think about every goal you have had throughout your life. Every single one, if you can possibly imagine. Maybe that was to go to school or go to college at some point, to change careers, to strengthen your mental or emotional health, to lose weight or get in shape, move across country. Maybe it was a goal to create some organizational systems around your house. I want you to imagine tackling that goal without managing your money well or at a time when maybe you didn't feel in control of your money, I want you to imagine trying to tackle that goal. Now I want you to imagine tackling that goal while having control of your money, while feeling like you know how to manage your money really well, you know how to create plans with your money, you know how to line those up to get the things that you want. What role did money play in making that goal feel achievable to you? Did it speed up the process? Did it make you feel more confident? Did it make it harder for you to achieve? Or did it feel impossible to achieve when you weren't managing your money well or feel like you didn't have a good handle on your money? I want you to hopefully realize just how important money is to achieving any goal you have in life. And that's what we want to be portraying to people in our messaging and in the world, okay? Don't forget to share your thoughts with me on what, what you come up with. I believe financial coaching is the best and most rewarding way to make a living. I truly love what I do. If you're ready to learn and see how to become a profitable, successful financial coach, check us out at financialcoachacademy.com to learn more about our online courses, free trainings, and events. As always, I love hearing from you too. If you have questions for the podcast, submit them at financialcoachacademy.com forward slash podcast. And if you love this podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It would mean the world to me. Next week for episode three, we're going to be tackling how does financial coaching differ from financial literacy. And in the next episode, episode four, we'll talk about the differences between financial coaching and financial advising. See you then.